Satisfy my hunger this evening. Grant me understanding. As your word will be coming forth this evening. Lord, grant me understanding. Father, we give you praise. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever. Thank him. Thank him. Say, Lord, thank you for answered prayers. Thank you for your word that you will be sending my way. I give you praise. We give you praise forever. Father, we are grateful that you have gathered us today again. That you pour your spirit into us in a greater measure. Lord, we thank you. Glorify Jesus in our lives this evening. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me a very warm amen. Amen. Mm, that one warm. That one lukewarm. Can you give me another amen that's warm? Amen. Uh, that one is warm. All right. The Lord is good. Let's take our declaration of understanding. Then we'll go ahead and begin to study. Then we'll get back to praying. Are we ready? All right. One, two, let's go. And the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. God is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It's healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. That will be your portion today in Jesus' name. Amen. Understanding a new measure will come to you today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me say it again. Understanding a new measure will come to you today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God will give you light. Amen. He will give you direction. Amen. He will heed in every area. Amen. I will make you more and more like the Lord Jesus. And I say to you, every affliction in your body will disappear. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. He sent his word and he healed them. That word delivered them from all their destructions. Every oppression, every destruction, every harassment in your life is destroyed today by the coming of the word in the name of Jesus. Amen. So it will be in Jesus' name. Amen. As usual, let's greet somebody on our left and our right before we take our seats. Tell the person, God bless you. Bless somebody else. So it's into the person's life. A seed of a good word. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right. One of the things that Paul called us, he said we are co-laborers with God. And I don't want us to ever forget that point. We are looking at the higher purpose for Christian prayer. We'll be looking at that for some time. It's our school of prayer where we learn how to pray. I believe that why God said we should start doing this is so as to stop believers from wasting time. People have wasted a lot of time. What do we call a waste of time? When you are using time for what is not productive. When you are using time and energy for that which does not get the desired or the appointed results that God said it should. That's what we mean by a waste of time. And God said, it is enough. Can, can you say that after me? Say, the Lord says, the Lord it, is it is enough. And that word is very true. It's very strong. I want you to bear it in mind. God says, it is enough. I just feel like God is saying that this season, people must come up to a higher dimension in the Christian walk. It's, en- it's not enough of this tomfoolery we have participated in for some years. We must focus our minds on what is important. 
you must learn that which is true, that which is, you know, valuable in the eyes of God. Enough of walking, you know, like Gentiles and claiming we are Christians. Enough of writing books on how to pray like Gentiles. Do you understand my point? Yeah, we'll not call it that title, but that's exactly what we do. Enough of that. And God is saying we have to move up to a, a higher level. So that's why we are talking about this again. The higher purpose for Christian prayer. So that we'll stop wasting time and praying like Gentiles. And one of the reasons we, um, we miss the purpose of God is a focus, not just the method of our prayer, but what the focus is. I've explained to us that the fact that, you know, you are not, you are, you are not uh, stealing, you're not lying, you're not cheating, does not make you much better than the unbeliever. If your object is still the same thing they are pursuing, and that's the mistake a lot of Christians make, just because they think, I don't steal, I don't cheat, I don't lie, you understand? So they feel righteous, but they forget one thing. They are not following the purpose of God. Let me just take a moment and explain the difference between righteousness and holiness again. Righteousness deals with procedure. It deals with the acts. It deals with the methods. Holiness deals with the purpose. Do you follow my point? So the man who is not stealing, who is not cheating, who is not lying, can be said to be doing righteously. However, why is he doing what he's doing? If it's because of what we shall eat, what we shall drink, and with what we shall clothe ourselves, he's not living a holy life. Holiness describes the purpose, what you are dedicated to. It is not just the method. That is what righteousness describes. Holiness describes the purpose, what you are living for. And I think that's a major problem in today's Christianity. You know, I see Christians, they depart. You know, the other day I was just meditating. I was talking to my friend, Pastor Courage. You know, something made us talk about it. I just realized that many of us will say that in this life, uh, let's say our country like this, we see a lot of false prophecies, false prophets, Sometimes I just sit down, I go and go to my free-to-air decoder, I put it on, I start scanning channels. Sometimes you, with my children, we just, I say, please put my friend for me. They know who my friend is. You know, there's one guy from East Africa, that's East Southern Africa, that I just like to watch once in a while. And what I'm going to do is to place him. I say I've not been able to place the guy effectively. Because what he does, I really don't like. But you don't like what somebody is doing does not mean the fellow is not a Christian. So there are Christians who are behaving like unbelievers. There are ministers who are ministering in the wrong way. But they are genuine Christians and they are genuinely called. And sometimes they are actually operating the gift of God. They just may be using it wrongly. And sometimes, like Anagin will say, they operate the true gift of God on one side. The very next minute they are operating by familiar spirit. Sometimes Christians do that. So I try to watch these guys you know, just to try and place him. So, but I, once now I just go over all of these things. And I wanted, something struck me a few days ago, and that's what I was talking about, Pascal, talking with, with Pastor Courage. And I said, listen, it's very easy to criticize people. I said, but the people you knew, people like us knew those days when we began, you know, this work of faith and this ministry matter. I said, where are they? Do you get my point? Many people have departed from preaching the word and they've gone to seek other things. Now you are now angry with those who are lying. You are not there to fill their space. Do you, I don't know whether you are getting my point. Some of these people are able to lie because we let the vacuum for them to fill. That's what I'm going to explain. Many of these people are able to lie because the people that God really called, they've left. They've left. So this, the place just got filled with all kinds of jokers. I'm talking about purpose. So sometimes Christians make that, make that mistake. They think that life is about success, success, success. I've been warning Christians. Run away from this success doctrine. It's not the will of God. Though. When I say success, now defining success by 
describable achievements in material terminology, in material terms. It's very out of order. That is not success. You can wear a rag and be successful. Are you getting my point? I would know a man like that in the Bible. His name was John the Baptist. People say he died before his time. He did not die before his time. He did not die before his time. Jesus made it clear. He said it himself. Jesus said, look, of all men born of women, none was as great as John. He said, when you went out to the wilderness, what did you go to see? You went to see a prophet. He said, I tell you, more than a prophet did not die before his time. He said it himself. I told you I'm not the one. He must increase. I must decrease. And go and read your Bible well. The Bible made it clear. Jesus did not baptize, neither did he preach publicly as long as John was alive. He was gathering disciples. He was recruiting men. He was calling them James, John, and Peter, and Co. He was picking them. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. And most of these people were with John. And they left John and followed Jesus. And then he was baptizing. The Bible now says, but he himself was not baptizing. It was just those people that left John and followed him that continued baptizing the people. And then the Bible says, when he heard that John had been taken into custody, go and read your Bible well. When he heard that John had been taken into custody, that was the time he opened his mouth publicly for the first time and began to preach, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What does that tell you? He knew clearly by the spirit that he was not supposed to preach as long as John was still in ministry. Their ministers were not allowed to run side by side. So he was preparing and watching John. The Bible says once he heard that John had been taken into custody, then he stood up and began to declare. John did not die before his time. John died because he had served the purpose of God in his generation, which was to prepare people for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus said, if I, by the finger of God, cast out demons in the midst of you, he said, then the kingdom of God has come into your midst. John said, I saw it, and that's it, I'm done. I'm the friend of the bridegroom. I've introduced you people to the bridegroom and introduced the bridegroom to you guys. See you at another time. And when that was done, he was taken into captivity. John did not die because he preached against Herod. No. (laughs) John did not die for that reason. God has his way of doing things. It's just that the time was ripe to take John out. He said, by which death will John glorify me? That's what God does. When Jesus talked to Peter, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus revealed to him by which death he will glorify God. One prayer I started praying some time ago, when I began to see all of these things, I said, God, in my life and even in my death be glorified. Let me not die pursuing what I was not supposed to pursue. He went to visit a woman that's not his wife, that kingdom people don't know about, and he fell from seventh floor. You know that kind of nonsense death? The king of will bury you sharp, sharp, so that the world will not hear. Ha! God, I beg. It's even more honorable to be crossed by a trailer than to drive that kind of nonsense death. And I will not be crossed by a trailer because I don't know how to glorify God. I'd rather have, I'd rather be beheaded in Pakistan than die of Ebola. Tell you the truth. No kidding. You know, if you want to, you know, there are some days you must not die. You want to die very stupidly. You are crawling at night to go and see a woman that is not your wife. Snake now bites you. (laughs) Angels will leave your spirit inside your corpse. You will rot with your spirit. (laughs) 
The Lord is good. Honestly. So John, God decided that this is how you glorify me. Now, when all of that and explain something, don't the quality of your clothes is a sign of your success. It is not. John Habba, honorable man, beloved of the Lord. In his torn clothes, in quotes, it wasn't torn, but it was not high quality clothes. You know what Jesus said? If you wanted to see men wearing fine clothing, you know where to go. You go to the palaces. He said, but you didn't go to the palace. You went to the wilderness. To go and see what? You went to see a prophet. And I'm telling you, you went to see more than a prophet. Forget, look, fine clothes are fine. Are you getting my point? I like to wear them too. I've seen all kinds of things. People say, look, when I, one man was preaching on TV once. Say, you pack, he said, one brother, when he wants to preach, he will pack his Mercedes Benz S class and put his leg on it and be sharing out tracks. People will be collecting because of the car. You are not raising the dead. You are not healing the sick. That's why you need the car. That's why you need the car. I was watching on TV that it sounded very nice. I said, let's forget this common sense Christianity. John and Peter, they got to the gate called Beautiful. They said, fine car and fine clothes we do not have. But such as we have, we give unto you. Please forget all our story. So if, listen, if you want to drive a fine car, drive it. It's good. But don't tell me that's how you preach the gospel. It's not. That is not how you preach the gospel. The fact that God used it, fine. I read the story of Sadhus on that thing. I first, before I even got to know much about him, that is, as I do now in recent years, I read that story more than 20 years ago from the book of John G. Lake. And it described, listen, in case you don't know, Sadhus on that thing was a, was a Sikh, you know, a Sikh, S-I-K-H. All right? This, you know, these religions in India. And then as a young boy, God frustrated with life, and then he wanted to commit suicide, make a long story short, the Lord revealed himself to him, and he became a Christian. And he decided, because of that revelation, because for what they knew, Christianity was a religion of the, you know, the colonial people, the British people, you understand, in India. But he realized that Christianity is not. Jesus is not a white man. Jesus is the Lord. He's the savior of the whole world. He's not the Jewish Messiah is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world. So he said, let me present Christ to the people in an Indian way. So he felt he was going to become you know, a clergyman, in quotes, you know, a, a holy man, the way Indians did it. So he wore a saffron robe, went around most of the time barefooted, you understand? Did not work, I mean, like have a secular job. He didn't have money, didn't have anything. He lived on offerings and gifts and, you know, things people dashing. And he went from one place to the other, trekking. He was literate. He could read, he could write. But preaching the gospel. But silver and gold, he literally did not have. Now, John G. Lake said, the day he approached Sadhu Sundar Singh's presence, he said the man had an aura about him. You felt you were in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I'm telling you the story. That the day he approached the presence of this man, the man sat on the bare floor teaching the gospel. When he approached, say you, that is, there's an aura around him. 
that made you feel you had come to see Jesus himself. Now, it's not because of poverty. I mean, like, because that aura is not related to poverty. It's not related to prosperity. Because one other lady told me a story long ago, sorry, that, that, this was around that same time. Another, you know, I read this in the book. This one, I went to minister. Well, I used to stay, go in the church to stay with them for some time, preach. So she was in that church. So one day we were just gisting. You know, she said, let me not mention the name of the man of God, all right? But it's a Nigerian man of God, all right? That wore expensive clothes, you understand? You know, well-dressed. He said once the man was coming to their church to minister. He said as the man came down and walked, he said suddenly the urge to fall down and worship came upon her. That the aura about him made her want to go on her knees. So you see, it's not whether you are wearing fine clothes or you are not wearing... Are you, I hope you're getting my point here. That's where I'm going. So let's not lay emphasis on this outward thing. Don't say, hey, because I've heard that Sadhu Sambasas was going like Seleman without uh, shoes. And then he, that was not what brought glory upon him. I hope you're getting my point here. But I'm just trying to bring out this story to let you know that it's not those material things. Let's not lie to ourselves that we'll preach the gospel better if we drive better cars. It's not true. It is not true. Silver and gold, Peter, you know, and John did not have such as they had, they gave. And people gave them attention. Listen, I've not lost what I'm going to say. So holiness, that's the point I'm making. Holiness. Holiness is a purpose for which you live. That's what holiness is. It's a purpose for which you live. And I realized, I thought about it in the recent times, that you see Christians generally, they don't... No, you know, very few Christians actually live like that. Oh, to think purpose-wise when you're trying to make decisions. They still think that God's business is to satisfy their problems. Solve my problems. But that's not what it is. We are co-liberals with him. When you want to make a decision, you ask yourself, will this please the Lord? Will this please the Lord? If I did my wife and I, just about two nights ago, we were talking on the house. You know, something led to it. I just said, that, look, this is a nice thing to do. I said, but I'm not sure the Lord wants me doing such things. And she was a bit taken aback, like, ah, this is not a bad thing now. It's good that none. She says all of that. You know, after the Bible says, occupy it, like, come. I, I said, you've jumped one line. Occupy with this. I said, do business with this. That's what he said. I said, no, it's not a bad... And listen, I don't want to give you details now. It wasn't a bad thing. I said, but for me to do this, I have to pray to be sure it pleases the Lord. Because everything I do must be serving God's purpose. That's what they call holiness. Holiness is whether, it's not whether you wear earrings or you don't wear earrings. That's not what holiness is. Many people who don't wear earrings, they are as wicked as Satan can be in human flesh. True, 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 true. What is holiness? Every decision I'm making in life, I have it in mind that God has a purpose for my life to serve. I'm not just, you know, because people try to focus on the righteousness side of which, is this right or is this wrong? Let's do that which is right in the eyes of God. Okay, that is good. But it's a holiness side. That is this in line with his purpose? That's the holiness side of it. Is this in line with his purpose? People have given me all kinds of counsel concerning how to do ministry. Once, I had, look, I said, because the reason why I listened that time, I wasn't trying to take the advice, so I just wanted to listen. It was just that, let it not be that I'm resisting God because I made up my mind concerning some things. So that's, I just started asking, I just started to run the issue down with some of my friends. And one of my friends said something to me. They were saying, that, ah, people, at that time, people were just coming. They go, ah, here, they tell me, one woman told my wife, wow, you're a minister, so, he, if he can just make this thing a church, you understand, he will be able to reach more people. 
And I heard that thing. I heard it a lot of time around that period. I said, no, this is not the will of God. Leave that. But because I just let, me just, let it not be that did nothing, that didn't critically make sure that I knew what God wanted us to do. So I thought, I went to Lagos that time, just one of my friends. So I just invited the whole thing. I said, listen, I don't believe in that. Another. We now made a point, which is why I'm talking about it. There's nothing wrong with having a church. I support churches. I do. I think it is good. But then, this is what I'm making. The fact that it is good doesn't mean that's what you are supposed to do. That's the holiness aspect of it. The righteousness aspect that is good is good. It's good. But it's not every good thing that requires your participation. That's the holiness aspect of it. So that day, I told my friend, look at what people are saying. All kind of he now made a statement which I know was by the Spirit of God. He said, what they're asking you to do, many people are doing it already. He said, but how many people are doing this one that you are doing? That, as soon as he said it, I said, thank you. You've given me an answer again. It's not about whether it's good or it's not good. It's about, is that the purpose? Will it serve the purpose of the person that called you? What is holiness? For you to understand that you don't own yourself. You don't own yourself. That's holiness. That's holiness. That is holiness. To know every, your speech is supposed to glorify God. Your behavior should glorify Him. Even the way you dress, the way you appear. It glorifies Him. That's holiness. A lot of times people sit on this say, is it right, is it wrong? No. We least further the purpose of God. First, generally speaking, two, in my life specifically. Because what is right for somebody else may just be wrong for me. The thing in itself is not bad. Just wrong for me. Please bear it in mind. That's what holiness is. Holiness is whose purpose am I serving? Oh, July prove that for me from scripture is simple. The word is sanctify. To sanctify is a verb for the word holy. To make something holy, we use the word sanctify. So when God will say, take this vessel and sanctify it, what it means is this. Take the vessel and bring it to the temple. Henceforth, that is, clean it, wash it, anoint it if necessary. And they say, henceforth, it is only to be used in worship. Then they say that vessel has been sanctified. That's meaning of sanctified. Something that's only used in worship. So when we are made holy, we have been dedicated purely to the service of God. I hope you're getting my point. Alright? So let's bear that in mind. So Christianity, people, we need to wake up to that in again. You want to pray? It's not God. Which Sometimes people talk about the will of God. A lot of us focus so much. As I had that discussion with some people recently. When they talk about the will of God, what they mean is, how do we hear God? No, that's not what it is. How you hear God is less important, far less important, than where your heart is set. I hope you're getting my point here. That is because sometimes when people say, what is God's will? If you read that my little book, is it, what's the name of that, that tiny book? The Will of God. Is that the, will, the name of the book? Okay, what's God's will here? Thank you. What is God's will here? The early... Part of that book, I asked a question. I said, what is God's will? Because many times people go to pray and say, what is the will of God here? What they are saying is different from what God is saying. And listen to me, you get the right answers from God in life generally, first of all, by asking the right questions. What do I mean? Many times people say that what is God's will? What they are really asking is not what God calls his will. Many Christians live by divination. They live by what? 
divination. Like I said earlier, listen. Okay, I tweeted this a few days ago. I wrote it down as a seller moment. That, listen, any diviner can see into the realm of the spirit and can know things. It does not make the fellow a prophet. A lot of Africans will live by divination. I don't know about West, Eastern Nigeria. I grew up in Western Nigeria. The people there, they live by divination. A typical Yoruba man lives by divination. That is, it's not about spirituality now. He was born divining. <laughs> I don't know whether you get my point. It's a culture. Please, I hope you get my point. They are very spiritual people. Spiritual in that sense, so spiritualism now. The culture is very spiritual. And I think a lot of Africa is like that. But it's because I grew up in there, I can, I can tell you. Listen, they are, they are diviners, both by, you know, clientele and by practice. <laughs> My English is getting confused now. <laughs> Even though, I, I, both by client, uh, as being clients or and practitioners. The, pica, the typical church in the West grows on whether the pastor can divine or he can't divine. Like one of our pastor friends said, hopefully he'll be around for this our program. You know what? I met him first I went in Sokoto a few years ago. Pastor Corey's Apostolic Summit. He said, one of his friends, or senior colleagues in ministry, wanted to start a church in Ondo State. I don't know whether it's Akure or Ondo Town. He noticed something. People will come to him for prayer. If you're a Pentecostal, why you want to pray? The point is, you want to pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, be the blessed, let the blessing come, you know, all those kind of things. Speak in tongues, speak in anything. He said, that man will pray, pray, pray. When he finishes pray, there's one constant pray, question they will ask at the end. Say, Baba, I'll give you in Yoruba because it's so sweet. And I'll give you in English. He said, Baba, kill a real. You know what that means? You know what it means? He said, hey, let's just be like this. Priest, please, what did you see? He says, that is the man, it was constant. People will come for prayer. When you finish praying, that your prayer is your issue. At the end of the day, what did you see? They expected you to have visions. And a lot of white garment churches, they grew there. You know, those all grew up in the West. Some of these are impressive people, David, Elijah, and Co. They are not, look, they, listen, we saw all kinds of, David, Elijah's in Western Nigeria, they came in different shades and colors. They were hardly, you know, they, they couldn't fool people like it because we knew them. Now, so the Bible makes it, so the culture of divination is normal. That is for them. So the, this brother said that he will pray. The, the man will pray. People say, Baba, what did you say? They expect you to see something. And the guys, that, that's, they thrive on it. They feed on it. They used to be juju men in their shrines and their huts. When Christianity came, they wore white garment. Called it all kinds of church of Christ. They continued the same thing. They continued exactly the same thing. They did not change the, now that's, that's where I began it from. They did not change what exactly they were pursuing. It was a method. Now, we're talking about the will of God. So a lot of people think that what is God's will? They go for divination. And what, what, what do they mean by will of God in divination? The girl wants to marry. She goes to a church. Three brothers have been showing her serious interest. And she says, what is the will of God? The question that what exactly is she asking? And that's what God answers. 
And that's why sometimes God even allows the false prophets, who are nothing but diviners, to see into the realm of the spirit because you can see things. I've said to you before, if you practice it, you can see things. It's not hard. What she's asking is the question. The question, the question she's asking is that which of these men is the nicest? Which of these men will be rich? Which of these men will take the best care of me? So when she says, what is God's will? Many times that's what she's asking. A man needs a job. He gets a job offer. Somebody says to him, come and take this job. What he's asking is, which one will I make the most money? Where will I build a house first, quickest? And where will I one day become the MD of? That's what a lot of people call the will of God. I'm talking about holy, holy living, holy living. And then this is the interesting part. It is a question you ask, you get an answer to. So even though you say I'm asking for the will of God, I've heard people say things like, uh, "I know it's God that told me to marry that fellow." You know, please don't. That's, I had to write a teaching called "Own That Decision." That is because people try to cast the responsibility on God, forgetting that God only answered them and still does it according to the idols in their heart. It is a question you ask to get the answer to. Will I be rich? Will he be rich? You ask that question, the diviner will see it. Say, this is this guy. He's going to be very rich in the next 18 years. He'll be so rich. Then Gote will come for his children's birthday. Now, that's what she calls the will of God. So the prophet will say, yes, this is the will of God. But one thing I found out these days, which even frightens me as a person, no? On Saturday, I was talking about fear. That fear, don't forget it, to fear God. This is the fear aspect of it. The fact that he will be rich in 18 years, does not address what will come with it. It does not. So please, as I say, Christian, please forget all of this that God spoke to me. I'm looking for who, who will speak to you. Purify your heart. That's what matters. Purify your heart. Purify your heart. That's what matters. Now, what is God's will? The man asks. He said, yes, this company is the will of God. Take a job here. What does that mean? Here you have security. You have health insurance. You have um, car allowance. You have guaranteed, steady, and progressive promotion. And one day, you'll be among the big rulers in the society. So he takes the job. And the prophet will say, that is God's will. Why? That was what he wanted to know. One day, you know, so when something happened, I just laughed. A man called me. He said, hey, Pastor Banky. I said, yes. Was this also and so and so that bought your car? Mention one of my cars, you know. That car, was it the one that bought it? I said, yes. He said, thank you very much. And he hung up. And I told my, I to my wife, I said, see me, see Matao. This man just asked me, who did you buy your car from? That is, the fellow that bought it, imported it for me. Was this the one that bought your car? I said, yes. He did not ask me, do you recommend him? Because I will never recommend that guy for anything in life. <laughs> the guy 
is as straight as a snake in a hurry. Have you seen a snake in a hurry before? Some of you have not seen it before. Go and see. This is how the thing bends like this. And this was how the phone call went. My phone rang. Ah, now this guy. Hello? Hello. Yeah, please, I wanted to ask you. Was this the one person that bought out your car? I said, yes, it's the one. He said, okay, thank you very much. And he hung up. It's a beautiful car. Nice ride. It was that time. <laughs> I said, but he didn't ask me any other question. This guy, as far as I'm concerned, is selfish. This guy called me and said, who bought your car? And I said, no, he didn't say who bought He said, is this person that, you bought, that helped you import your car? I said, yes. He said, okay, thank you. And he hung up. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say? I turned to my wife. I said, what kind of trouble is this guy putting me inside? Tomorrow he'll run into issues with this guy. And he will say I recommended him. When I never did. All he did was to ask me. Do you know that this guy, that this guy, did he do this for you before? Yes. He didn't ask me, are you recommending him? I'm talking about the will of God. Many times we go to God to ask his will. That's what the problem is. What we have asked is that, will he be rich? And God says, through revelation, through divination, whatever it is, yes, say the Lord spoke to me. Yes, now he spoke to you, answered the idolatrous question that you asked. He gave you knowledge, not wisdom. Because that was all you sought. Holy living is like this. Father God, these men are saying I should marry him. And I think I already like all of them. Pastor likes all of them. My father likes all of them. But I can only marry one of them. Which one did you ordain before the foundation of the world that together we should do your will? That's a different question. That's not addressed wealth, poverty, love or no love, crisis or no crisis. That just asks a simple question. Which one will best, which one fits your purpose? Who did you create me to be with? Who did you create to be with me? Is it one of these three men or is none of them? Because many times, the least likely, his name is David, will be the one that's chosen in the lineup. Do you get my point? The question should be, who is the man after your heart? That should, should be the question. When my friend Pascal wanted to marry his wife, who incidentally, they've been neighbors, they've known for a long time since they were children and all of that. The, the, the young woman's father was surprised. Like, <laughs> I asked the lady a simple question. I'm not angry, I, mean, I know him, I like him. Just that the other men who were more, you know, Physically more serious than a pastor that decided to go and start a church in Sokoto of all places. People are starting churches in Port Harcourt. You did not go there. They are starting in Lagos. You don't go. Abuja did there. Okay, we want to go to the north. You are caught to the north. What's wrong with Abuja? But as a young woman, so why? She was just curious, just curiosity, nothing more. And the woman says simply, he's the only one that can say to me, close your eyes, give me your hand, I want to take you somewhere. And I'll feel comfortable to do that. That was the re- The father said, fine, fine, no wahala, no quarreling about it. But the young woman said, 
I just feel confident. Let's be like this. My spirit witnesses that with this guy you fulfill the will of God. See, it's the kind of question you're asking that determines the answer you will get. It is not how much you have learned to hear from God. I see that emphasis so much in the in Christian, Christian teaching, which is unfortunate. It's not a method. I talk about Balaam all the time. Balaam didn't have a method. He had a direct line to God. He will tell you, sleep here. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tonight, I will go and see God. And he wasn't doing it by faith. I begin to declare and I know that God will speak to me. No. He knows where to get to, which direction to face, which words to utter, and God will pick the light. And before even gets into that corner, the Lord is there waiting. Balaam, yes, my Lord, who are those men? They've come from Balak. They want me to do so, so, and so, such, and such. All right? We discussed it yesterday, or to last week. They're back. This time around, you can go with them. Thank you, Lord. Listen to this. You know I will never move without your word. See how Pentecostal Balaam was sounding? Except I hear from heaven, I will not move. God said, yes. Except you hear from heaven, you will not move. But except we speak, we too, we cannot go anywhere. So we must talk to you by force. So God answered him according to the idol in his heart. But he went around claiming he had God. An angel of God decided to kill him on the way. Thank God he survived that. Eventually he still died. And for why, why did he die? For going. Eventually Balaam still died. And why did he die? Because he went. But he heard God. So? That's why forget his methods of hearing. If your heart is not right, whatever you hear cannot be pure. It cannot be true, it cannot be accurate. Holiness is what makes you safe. It's not the acts of righteousness. It's that holiness. It's the holiness. The idea that whatever I do must be that which God ordained. Which God commanded. Which God planned before I began to have desires. Not as if God is trying to fulfill my desires. So I want to pray. I say, God, what exactly is the one that you are saying? That is one I say. No, not the one I say. The one you said from the beginning. Because Abalam should have known. That God said from the beginning, there is no enchantment against Jacob. Whether he makes money or does not make money, don't go near there. So Christians, please, I'm calling us again back to holy living. Living holy. Understand that everything you do is in service to God. God is not here to settle you, first of all. That's not the thing. So when you say, what is God's will? It's not God. Which of these men will love me? No. What did you create me to be? Who did you say I should walk with? That's it. That's it. That's it. Who did you say I should walk with? That's what, that, see, the questions are different. These questions I've just enumerated now, they are holiness questions. Because they are purpose questions. Will this glorify you or will we not? I said earlier, even death is supposed to glorify the Lord. Paul was going to die. And even that one was decided. Paul could have decided to lie down, and God knew how to kill his servants in peace. Are you getting my point? 
Go and check the way Aaron died, the way Moses died. God was not out of that business. He could have done that. How did Aaron die? God said to Moses, remove his clothes. As soon as Aaron... <laughs> Very funny death, right? They removed his garment. He died. It was time for Moses to die. God said, lie down here. And he laid down. God pulled out his spirit. The real Moses came out of there. And the body was remaining. So God dug a grave, put Moses in it, and covered it. And said nobody will ever find it. He knew how to do it. But when it was time for Paul to go, he said, which death will glorify me? Remove his head. That was the death God chose. Why he chose it? Let's, let's just get something clear. I don't like the idea too. It's not only you, so don't think that uh, all of us are one day have about God of all things. Why can't we have grandchildren around the bed worshipping as they are worshipping the angels to so just tell them bye-bye on your behalf and you go. That's one way. That could be a way that will glorify him. But in Paul's case, it wasn't. Court case here, court case here. Finally, one, one Caesar just said, it's enough, remove his head. He said, we death will glorify in the life of John. Say, we John. John, he's not dying. Leave him there. They tried to kill that one from what we read. They tried everything. He couldn't die. He couldn't die. So even death glorifies the Lord. I hope you're getting my point here. How much more living? So I want to pray about something. What's more important to me first is, Lord, how does this serve your purpose? Does this glorify you? When I make requests these days about a lot of things, that's the first thing the Lord and I will say to you. The point I'm making is this, listen. For us believers, it's about pleasing God on a daily basis. Serving the purpose of God in everything we are doing. It's not about right or wrong. That's why I don't have time. Like I said on Saturday, don't have time to be for Christians who say that where the Bible says I can't marry two wives. I say if you want, if you if you come up with that argument with me, I will give you a scripture that says you can marry six. Just go your way. As far as I'm concerned, you're not a serious person. I don't have your time. That's why I would declare all the time I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The word wisdom there is key. So I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. To please him in all respects. To please him in all respects. Every respect. That's what holiness is. Holiness is not just doing what is right. Holiness is trying to please God in every respect. Knowing that you were created for a particular purpose. That's why I tell believers, listen. I remember the first time I was, uh, my, one of my friends said I was going to the USA. Pastor. I said, oh, you're going to the U.S.? I said, yes. I was going to be there for about five weeks or so. He said, I hope you will come back. I felt it was ridiculous. This was like 12, 13 years ago. I said, that I will come back? I just said to him, I said, my brother, you know I run a ministry. Ah, he said, thank you. Ministry, dear America, too. I didn't know how to tell him, said, my brother, ministry is not just about preaching. Ministry is about the people you were sent to. Where you were sent to them. Do you get my point? It's not just about preaching. I don't want to go into it now. Because, you see, sometimes... <laughs> let me give you an example. Because I see preachers do some things. I just say, do you realize? You're not just communicating with words. Ed Cole said there are three ways we communicate. We communicate by word, by gesture, and by spirit. 
I learned that from Edco in his book, Communication, Sex, and Money. There's not just what you say. There's a way you live, and there are things you, that are deep inside your heart that you're actually communicating even though you're not using those words. And that was why a young girl, that was Acts chapter 16 there about, it was going there, Paul and Co were preaching, and she rose up and said, yeah, these are the, men, the people of God. These are messengers of God. She was commending them. She was supporting them. Her words were true concerning them. And for a long time as a young believer, I couldn't understand why Paul would turn around and rebuke such a person. Rebuked the spirit in her. She followed them for many days. And Bible says that the Bible says that Paul was what? Grieved. Paul was provoked. He turned around and commanded that spirit to get out of her. Why didn't he do it the first day? There are different preachers that have said different things, but this is my understanding of it. The first day, Paul, I mean, it's just a human being like you and I. First day, the girl said that. And he felt, well, if they are not against us, they are with us. I mean, could quote Jesus on that. Except that after that first day, he noticed that he will be flowing in the spirit, speaking eloquently, fluently. Then the girl will say, ha, listen to what he's saying. No, he's a real man of God. As soon as he, he sits down, he will try to speak. It will, become, it will become apparent to him. Nobody is understanding him anymore. First day, he thought it was coincidence. Second day, you know, they say that Mr. Bond, they have a saying in Chicago. First is happenstance. So the first day thought was happenstance. Second day thought was coincidence. But the third day, he knew it was enemy action. That no, this is not coincidence. Anytime this girl gets up, that's when he dawned on him that no, she's not speaking by a right spirit. She's passing an evil spirit out. So anytime he, he, she opens her mouth, this ear, the hearing of the people are deadened. She couldn't affect Paul directly. Ah, after that, Paul said, no, not anymore. What am I trying to say? When you're talking about purpose as a preacher, it's not just where you stand to preach. What your life represents is more important than the words that you are speaking. Hmm. Norman Shrashkov, they said he said something. He said there are two things you need to be an effective general. You need strategy and you need character. He said if you have to be without one, be without strategy. The point I'm trying to make is this. So when my friend said what he said, <laughs> I said, ministry is not just you are preaching. If you are not located where God has located you, you are not doing the ministry. You are not. You can preach all you want to preach. You are not doing what he said you should do. And he can use people who are disobedient. I hope you're getting my point. A lot of people don't realize that. They think the fact that God is using them means that everything is okay. No, he can use disobedient people. If you are available for something, he will use you. If you are in one place, you are the only person that can pray for the sick, and he wants a sick person healed, he will send them to you. You will lay hands on the person, the person will get healed. They have nothing to do with you. You are a disobedient child. I hope you're getting my point. You are a disobedient child. He will see you. Look, so don't get confused. Don't let results deceive you. You know, I've been warning about this gospel of results. We cast out demons in your name. They were not lying. They were not lying. Disobedient people can get results. They were not lying to him when they told him those things. Told my friend that they listen. I said, don't worry, I'll be back. 
I just want to emphasize something. When talking about living holy, that's what holiness is. Holiness is that, hey, wait, I can only be where he says I should be. I can only, you know, do what he says I should do. How will I know it first? We're not discussing how now in details. We've said here and there some things. But if you just have the heart, you understand? If you just have the right heart concerning these things, you will know. Where the problem is most of the times that the heart is not right. That's where the problem is most of the times. The heart is not right. So people ask that what method did you use to hear God? Does God speak by fleas? God does not speak by fleas. This modern, this is this the Holy Spirit has come. He does not speak by anything external. He speaks in your spirit. Please go and read my book, Guided by the Spirit. I don't believe those things. Does God speak with fleas? Of course he does. Does he do it often? It's not necessary. That's why he doesn't do it often. Most decisions do not require a fleas. He doesn't speak by fleas, or the fleas is wrong when the heart is wrong. If the heart is right, you will find out that most decisions do not require a fleas. If it does require a fleas, he will use it. After all, read your Bible from the beginning to the end. How many times does anybody use fleas in the Bible? Only one time. That lets you know it's not common. It's not often. But if it's necessary, God is not afraid. He won't say that I have given you the Holy Spirit. Use the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will speak. I don't need to speak to the fleas. It doesn't say that. Peter and Co. cast lots. The Bible says that men cast lots, but the decision is from God. The question is that why are you casting lots? Are you being spiritually lazy? Are you getting my point? That is when it does not work. Before they cast lots to replace Judas, remember what happened. Peter operated everything the Lord had taught them. He told them first, the person must have been with us from the beginning to the resurrection. It must be an eyewitness of everything that happened. When they went through all of that, they found only two people. What are their names again? Justus or Joseph and Matthias. So he said, from among these two, we must speak. Then they checked everything. There was nothing else to use to separate them, apart from what's inside what? The heart. So Peter prayed and said, Lord, you know the heart of men. Then they cast lots. So if you do it like that, it works. We get sometimes, we get very Pentecostally spiritual. My spirit said to me, that's why we have confusion. Because everybody's spirit says something. Who told your spirit is right when my own is saying something else? I've had arguments on that. You trying to say I can't hear God? Yeah. People have argued. Couples have fought over those things. Husband said her spirit, his spirit said. Wife said his spirit said. Are you trying to say that I don't know how God is speaking? When you hear that kind of thing, tell the woman, sit down, submit thyself to thy own husband. Stop talking nonsense. How can you hear God? Your husband hears God. Is God an author of confusion? Now, can't you see two of you are on something? On something, I don't mean Holy Spirit. I mean, on, you know. <laughs> you guys are dragging on something. That's, are you getting my point? If they come to me, I say, bros, sis, drop this Holy Spirit thing. Two of you go home and pray. Then let your husband make the final decision. And stop being a witch. Any woman that tries to command the decision in the house by my spirit said is a witch. 
Even she's speaking in tongues, though. She's a witch that has received the Holy Spirit. That's all. You want to, if man is in authority, you want to instruct him by saying your spirit says, you should know that you, you are a witch. Yaje. You know what they call Yaje? Okay. Anyway, that's, that's English for witch. My own English. I manufacture my English when I like it. The Lord is good. So please, let's, 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 let's get that point clear. That's what, what I'm going to emphasize. Let's get that clear, all right? So it's not how well we can tune our ears. I've talk, taught this thing again and again and again. I think I've taught it so much, I don't feel like teaching it again, but I just have to repeat it once in a while. It's whether the heart is pure. It's whether the heart is set on living a holy life. You know what holiness is now again? It's whether the heart is set on living a holy life. That is the most important thing. And if that heart is properly set in which everything is used for the purpose of God, knowing what is God's will is not hard. It's not hard. There are some prayer points you know God will not answer. I just feel like going back to that marriage matter. Say, Lord, will this man be rich? God will never, if he answers you, it's the devil. As a young Christian girl, you go to ask God in prayer, the man that wants to marry me, will he be rich? If you hear any answer, you have been deceived. If an angel comes and tells you, don't worry, he shall be rich, just know that you have been lied to. There are answers that God does not give because he breaks his own word. You know what he expects you to know? The answer he gives to you when you hear such, when you have such prayer. Such requests are okay. So I'm mean, having that question. It's not a problem. I'm just telling you the answer he gives. This is the answer he gives. If we were to appear to you, he will say, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. If that does not satisfy you, you are a non-believer. You think every answer God comes and says, don't worry. Look at the Lamborghini he's going to buy. He's going to have a private jet. He won't tell you that. If, he, if the Holy Spirit will answer you, what he will tell you is that take no thought for the morrow. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, or with what shall you clothe yourselves, he said, these are the things that the Gentiles come to ask me about when they want to marry. Why would they answer you? There are some fastings that should be suspended. Some prayers should come to an end. Because God is not planning to answer it in the 100,000 years. So you end it now. And please, if you want to do that kind of long fast, make sure you eat because you will just die. God is not going to change his mind because you are stubborn. When it comes to stubbornness, he wins. What did I say? When it comes to stubbornness, the Lord wins. If you think you are stubborn, your neck is stiff. You know, you are the class bully. You bullied your father, bullied your mother, bullied everybody. You want to now bully the Lord. <laughs> you understand what Jesus meant when he told, told Paul. Why are you kicking against the bricks? He's more stubborn than you. He said, I'm not going to change my mind. Go and check the people in the Bible that he doesn't want to answer. After the third time, tell them to stop this nonsense. Moses asked him three times. He said, Moses, let's get this clear. Don't bring up this prayer point again. Paul, the same thing. <laughs> he looked at Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. This is making you weak. Don't worry. My power is made perfect in your weakness. But the third time, Paul said, Therefore I rejoice in my infirmities. Trust me. That's how the Lord behaves. When you have some very carnal questions for him, 
He gives you spiritual answers, but he will never, he won't give you a carnal answer back. He will never do that. You come and say, this man will be rich if I marry him. God will say, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Take no thought for the morrow. That's all. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's no one for him that trusts in him or that fears him. He will just give you all those scriptures. Say that one should satisfy you now. Say what David said. I rejoice at thy word. Say rejoice at what I have given you. Just leave it there. You can't force him to now come down to your level of foolishness. It's not right. I'm talking about living holy. Holiness. Holiness. Somebody say holiness. holiness. Yeah, that's what it is. Holiness. It's about purpose. It's about making every decision knowing that you were not created by accident. You did not arrive here by chance. Holiness is knowing that the person who placed you here, first, somebody placed you here. That's holiness. Number two, the person who placed you here has a reason for placing you here. I hope you're getting my point. Yes. The other day I was telling one of my sons, he said, he wants to do this, he wants to do this one. I said, boy, forget this one. Which subject will you do? It's in senior secondary school. Which subject will you do? He wants to do this one so that he can become this. I said, listen, what he will become, you don't know, so leave that thing. Go to, I made him, I said, sit down in both social science, what they call commercial and science. After one term, we will decide the one you enjoy the most, you want to understand the most. That is the one you are going to do. What you will become in life is not dictated by that. That was our conclusion. I said, just go to class, read everything. Account, read it. Commerce, read it. Physics, read it. Chemistry, read it. Finish everything. After one term, make up your mind the one you enjoy the most. The one you can relate with the most. Then that's one you will do. Then let's see where God will take you to from there. Don't say study this one because you must become this. I've, look, I've not seen personally. No, I've seen them. But I want to tell you a story. I've seen people who studied medicine. And it's not they finished. They became mechanics. Yeah, I'm serious. There's one guy in Abba. I heard his story. So my father wants a doctor. Now he has a doctor. Can I, me, I want to be a mechanic. Can I go and become what I want to become? True story. The best student in my class when I was in university, when they were collecting prizes, he collected all minus one. If they gave out eight prizes, he collected seven. It was only one he didn't collect. As soon as we left school, he wrote the stethoscope and threw it away. Right now, he went back and studied law. Yes. I don't even know when he did the law. It was recently when we were chatting, I found that the guy is a lawyer. Because we were having some arguments once on the Nigerian political stuff. So he was giving us, ah, I said, oh, so this guy actually went back to study law. He was our best student. As soon as we left school, he rode his title school. Flingham. He went to, besides selling uh, petrol. Then later he studied law. He just did all kinds of things. Listen, he walked away. Walked away neat. So, your life, eh? You can't, this life, is, is, you can't plan it. You can't plan it. Sufficient unto the day is evil thereof. Anything put in your hand, do it well. As I tell young people, if you're in school, learn everything. Learn it. If they say do these five courses, do them well. Make sure anything you're supposed to learn, you learn it. What your, what your life will be later, you don't know. Honestly. And I can't tell you. You know why? I don't know too. I can't tell you what my children's life will be like. Is it your own? I'll come and tell you. 
<laughs> Holiness. Somebody placed you here. Number two, he placed you here for a reason. Number three, he will guide you into that reason. So I think you must know. I like the way he said it. Follow me, God said to Abraham. Into the land, if you have used King James, most translation says, into, uh, to, to a place where I will show you. You know, you know? I have a, a Bible translation. I think it's Bible in basic English or something. He said, into a place, into a place where, into which I will be your guide. So Abraham did not see it far ahead. He was just following on a daily basis. God led him through different ways. Sometimes circumstances. Sometimes desire. Sometimes a voice. Sometimes an angel will come, go this way. Different ways, eventually he reached there. So what should Christians do? Just be faithful on a daily basis. Don't ever say, this is too small for me to do. Something becomes too small for you. Listen to me. Child of God, listen to this. There's nothing you are doing now. You need a job or something. They give you. Say, this one is too small for me. It is not your qualification, paper-wise, that makes something too small. You know what makes it too small? You have done it too well already. So go and do it first. I don't know whether you got my point there. It's when you have done it very well. We will not decide that this is too small for you. Not as if you are jobless, hungry, needing money, and telling me something is too small for you. What's wrong with you? Say, this is not what my mates are doing. Your mates are not going around begging for money. They're not eating. You know, I always say, young men, if your mother is feeding you, you know you can never prosper in life. That's not a cause of warning. Your mother is using pension money. She will go and sign, collect pension, then buy bread and you eat it. And you are wondering why you are dreaming of a banjo spirit. You should have known by now. You're wondering why you are dreaming of a banjo spirit. That's why. That's the reason why. Your, your life will never be straight. Did you hear what I said? It can't be straight. That food don't eat when you come home. My mother said, there's food. Say, I'm not hungry. Why? We are fasting in my church. Which one is your church? The one I started. Who's the pastor? Me. Congregation? Me. Usher? Me. But we are fasting. When hunger wants to finish you, go to where they are washing motocars. Say, guys, can I help people dust this thing when you finish? And they give you 200 naira. Rush quickly and go and eat. When you do that daily for like six weeks, you realize that washing cars is actually good business. I hope you are getting my point. You know, I keep on telling you, I'm not a, I, 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 I've ever seen me pet anybody. Say, no, no, if I say, talk the truth now, you won't come for Bible study again. Did I beg you in the first place to come in the first time? <laughs> Somebody has to tell people the truth. The Lord is good. So we Christians, we are responsible on a daily basis. But where we are going to get to in life, we don't know. We don't know. He's the only one that knows. As I like a frankly song, my life is in his hands. My life is in your hands. He leads you in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He's the one that is leading. He will take you to places you never dreamt of, places you never knew existed. Just understand the thing I'm saying. Number one, somebody placed you here. Number two, he has a reason. He has a purpose. Number three, he will guide you into it. Number four, how do you get there on a daily basis? Fulfill the assignment he gives to you each day. Life has an assignment for each day. For the student, make sure you read your book. 
I hope you're getting my point. Everybody, each day, there is an assignment. Do the assignment for each day. Don't worry about the next day. That is his own to concern himself about. That's what they call holiness. Oh. That's what we call holiness. Let's get back to our message. So we've been talking about what? The higher purpose. Can I use the expression now? The holy purpose for Christian prayer. That was why I began that. The holy purpose for Christian prayer. Why did God give us prayer? It is not to serve ourselves, but to serve his purpose. To serve his purpose. That's the holiness side of it. To serve his purpose. Last time I began to talk about intercession, and for time's sake, I will probably just introduce it again, and the next time we continue. Let's just open our Bibles to First Samuel chapter 12. Now, while you are opening to First Samuel chapter 12, let me quickly read something else, because I just found that my Bible is open to that area. Alright? I'll read quickly from Ezekiel chapter 22. Remember the first statement I made today was what? That we are co-workers, co-laborers with the Lord. That is, whatever I want to do on this earth, there is a part we play. There is a part we play. There is a part we play. Whatever he wants to do, there is a part we play. And one of the parts we play is that part of prayer. That is, if what, he, what he wants to do will not be done, except, first of all, he recruits people that are going to work with him. One of, ways, one of the places they will work in the area of prayer. Remember I said the will of God is different from the decree of God. That is, God's will is that what he really wills, what he really wants. But that is not the only thing he does. Sometimes, because he's also a judge, apart from being a father, he has a will, but for his will to be done, we have to do some things. One of them is we must pray it into existence. If the will of God was done automatically, it would not have, it would not have been a prayer point. I hope you're getting my point. If the will of God was done automatically, it would not have been a prayer point. Certain things are given to us as prayer points so that we will know that they are not automatically done. So when Jesus said, pray like this, that will be done on earth as it is written or recorded in heaven. What that means is that if we don't say that prayer, it may not be done. But something will be done on the earth and he is the judge of the earth, the whole earth. Abraham said, would the judge of the whole earth not do what is right? God is the judge of the whole earth. Something will still be done which he will decree, not necessarily his will. So sometimes we find things like I said, I'll read quickly. Ezekiel chapter 22, God said something here. I'll read from verse 23, jump, jump, jump till I get to 30. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, say to her, you are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in her midst, like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured lives. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in the midst of her. He's talking about iniquity of the people. Her priests have done violence to my law. Oh, God. <laughs> that expression just reminds me of today. Her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the profane. And they have not taught the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they hide their eyes from my Sabbaths and I'm profaned amongst them. Her princes within her are like wolves tearing the prey by shedding blood and destroying lives in order to get dishonest gain. Her prophets have smeared whitewash for them, seen false visions, 
and divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord God, when the Lord has not spoken. The people of the land have practiced oppression and committed robbery. They have wronged the poor and needy and have oppressed the sojourner without peace. Now listen to this. I searched for a man among them who will build up the wall and stand in a gap before me, notice that, before me for the land, so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. Thus I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. He said, their way I have brought upon their heads, declares the Lord. Now what does that tell you? God's will was that these things would not happen. God's judgment was that it happened. God's decree was that it happened, but his will was that it would not happen. But how will he get his will to be executed? How will he get his will to be done under these circumstances? He said, this is what I will do. I will look for a man. If I will find a man from amongst them, not outside, from amongst them, who will build up the wall and stand the gap before me for the land, then I wouldn't pour forth my indignation. Doesn't mean I will never judge, but at least I will give them some more time. But this was what happened. There was not one person in the midst of them. And let me just apply something which we can find in today's Christianity. Even those who are not doing what they are doing have turned themselves to accusers rather than intercessors. That is what God was saying here. If this land will not be destroyed, I need somebody to rise up. Are you getting my point? And plead with me to do my will, which is don't destroy them. He said, but I found none. So they were destroyed for two reasons, just like Sodom and Gomorrah. First reason, they were destroyed here. It was because of their iniquity. Second reason, there was no man praying for them. I hope you're getting my point. That was the second reason they were destroyed, because there was no man praying for them. I said we should open to a particular portion of the scriptures. Let's read that. that that's, I said we should open to where? First Samuel chapter 12. All right. Now, God was, you know, Samuel was speaking to the people after they had asked for Saul. They had asked for, a, uh, asked for a king and they had gotten a king. So then all the people, verse 19, then all the people said to Samuel, for times, let me start from there, verse 19. Pray for your servants of the Lord, your God, so that we will not die. For we have added to all our sins this evil by asking for ourselves a king. Samuel said to the people, do not fear. You have committed all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. You must not turn aside, for then you will go after futile things which cannot profit or deliver, because they are futile. For the Lord will not abandon his people on account of his great name, because the Lord has been pleased to make you a people for himself. Moreover, that's verse 23 now, as for me, that's why we're reading this. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord, by ceasing to pray for you. But I will instruct you in the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, both you and your king will be swept away. Now, why did I read this? For It was because Samuel explained that the ministry he had as a prophet was not just to declare the word of God to them or to instruct them in the ways of the Lord. One major ministry he had was to pray for the people. Let me say that again. One major ministry Samuel had was to pray for the people of Israel. Time will not allow us today. We'll have gone into it. 
You can you go and read both in Exodus and even in Numbers when people you know, when they they um, when they sinned against the Lord when Israel sinned against the Lord in both circumstances I'm referring to what saved them was the intercession of Moses. Can you remember that? What saved them was what? What saved them was what? The intercession of Moses. The intercession of Moses on two occasions there. Both times, God said, let me destroy these people. And Moses said, no, you cannot destroy them. And he began to plead. He was not being stubborn. He was just begging. He was pleading according to the mercy of God. Say, remember, you are a merciful God. It's not like God forgot, but he needed Moses to say it and to ask for his mercy. And what I want to say to us again, which is why I'm teaching this series, is for us to know that there's one assignment we have, which many of us don't do as Christians is that it is our duty to invoke the mercy of God into the lives of many people. Now listen, we all have assignments in different areas. Nobody will pray for your father like you would. Are you getting my point? <laughs> That's for some people. Nobody will pray for your siblings like you. For time's sake, we're not going to it now. Maybe we can get it to it later. God has done something. You know, he, try, you know, he decided to weave us in a very funny way. Many people have very, very terrible relatives. You don't like if, if God has to create people again. You just say that guy cannot be my brother. You just tell him from the beginning he can't be your brother. You know this one cannot be your sister. You don't like them, and God now joined you to them. You know the reason why? Because He does not want anybody to perish. And listen to me. He will destroy that young man. He will destroy that young woman except somebody begs him not to. So He says, "Okay, how will I do it? Let me join him. Let me join her." To somebody who knows how to beg me. Do you get my point? And the fellow will be failing in his or her duty if he does not constantly make intercession for those people. What God has done in life is to join us to people. And what I want to explain is that's what we should be using our prayer time for. Look for people. First, he's joined you to the country you live in. Do I need to tell you that again? No, we all know it. He's joined us to the country we live in. He's joined us to the places we live in. Every day you utter a word of intercession for this city. You utter for this nation. Please, we'll talk about it again. Don't be an accuser. An accuser is a natural thing to be. It's natural. It is natural. That is, when the government does something that is bad, it is natural to comment and say the negative things that we all do. Samuel said it. This is a commanded thing. It is a sin for me to stop praying for this land and start accusing the land. Do you get my point? Say, God forbid that I should sin against him. What is his sin? Taking other wives? Stealing money? The people testified that someone never did any of these things. They testified. But what would be his, what would be his own sin? To stop praying for the people. Because now they had rejected God, he was angry. He said, but what will I now do? It's my job. I will pray for you people till I die. Please, I hope you're getting my point. Let me tell husbands and wives too. <laughs> Nobody can pray for your wife like you. Nobody. All the women that are run to, for a papa to pray for them. Pastor, pray for me. And your husband is a believer. Don't waste your time. What did I say? You're wasting time. You have a Christian husband. He has not prayed for you. You're coming to Pastor Banky. What do I look like? God, no. <laughs> Thank you. I don't have many wives. Though. 
It's a prayer for wives. I use it at home. For my own. Go and let your husband pray for you first. The way he has finished praying for you, I will now join my own. Then you will now be powerful. But if you do your husband, please, I'm coming. Pastor wants to pray for me. You're wasting time. Don't waste my prayer. <laughs> Don't. Let the man bless you first. Then we'll add our own to it. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, let him pray for you. He said, Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife Rebekah's sake. I hope you're getting my point. You're running to church to go and collect prayer. Well, you have prophet inside the house. Like I tell women, don't tear his garment. Oh. If you mistakenly tear your husband's shirt, say, sir, I'm very sorry, sir. Sorry, sir. It's a mistake. Oh. You can't do it deliberately. Oh, oh, more. Oh, oh, care. Oh. What does that mean in English? That's an English word. What does it mean in English? <laughs> <laughs> that is good. No matter how wrongly the man is doing it, don't tell him. He never says anything that works. Everything he does does not work. I will talk to him. I will talk to him. Everything I say will just come to pass like I said it. Once you start saying that, you'll be inoculated into a coven. You'll be initiated into witchcraft. You don't know it. You have been subtly enticed. That's how Satan traps women. Last week, did you not tell him not to travel? (laughs) Did he travel? Yes. What happened? His tire fell down in Nigeria River. Mm -hmm. Six weeks ago, you told him not to invest in that business. Did you not? Yes. Did he invest in it? Yes. What happened to it? His money went. Now he's about to do it again. No? You now start feeling like the prophetess of the house. Just know you are, you are, you see, Satan is very sought to know. He'll be telling you all the ones you said that is correct. He will never remind you of all the ones you said that is wrong. You now be feeling like I'm the prophet in this house. Once I talk, it just happened the way I said it. Listen to me. That is the, it's called Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 of the witchcraft book. That's how witchcraft starts. So when the man wants to do something, you know what you do? Kneel down. Grab your pillow. Father, I ask for mercy for my husband. I ask for your favor upon his life. Lead him in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. Lord, you know you have commanded. You see, there's what I call activation of grace. You have to activate the grace upon his head. You know, there's a way you would treat him. He knows he has to be responsible. Before you go out in the morning, say, you have not blessed me today. The man will know he has to learn how to bless people. He will stand for school of prayer. Say, why? How to bless your household? This is one of these we are preaching. What are you doing? He said, if I don't learn it now, Madame will not go let me go out tomorrow morning. She not go Greek or motto. That she sends all the children to me in the morning to go and bless them. That's how you activate the grace upon a man. That's why God journeyed to him. Nobody can do everything all by himself. Are you getting my point? That's what intercession is for. We get on our knees, we pray. You, you, look, sometimes when we're praying in the house, I tell my wife, my children, yeah, name those your cousins, your uncles, one by one, and ask a blessing for them. That's our job as Christians. There are people that will die if you don't pray for them. I know, let me tell you another thing. Not everybody's prayer works for those, those people. You'll be surprised that it's only your prayer that's working for some people right now. I know when Satan wants to destroy people, you know what he does? Separates them from people that can pray for them. One of the most potent prayers is when mothers are praying for their children. 
you don't, you've left the house now. You are, a man, you are a married man. You have your own family. Your mother is praying for you every day. That is why all the bullets, as far as you are concerned, they are straight. They are just going somewhere. They know they touch you. That's why they were, tanker exploded. You missed it by one minute. Like one woman ahead of in Lagos, she was going. Her taxi driver has decided to stop to buy corn. How many of you heard the story that time? I'm in a hurry. It's a charter taxi. Say, madam, I need to eat corn. I'm hungry. No. I need to get somewhere. No. I need to eat my corn. The woman was like, which kind of wahala is this one? That was how she missed lock, being locked inside the traffic where the tanker exploded. That taxi driver could have been an angel or just a taxi driver possessed with the prayer of a grandmother. I hope you're getting my point. So when Satan says, we'll try to kill this guy, we can't kill him. You know what he will now do? He will now send the fellow to a false prophet. The false prophet will now say, your mother is a witch. So how do you handle witch? Don't send her money again. Anytime you send her money, she and that your yellow auntie and the dark uncle, they gather together and they cook the money inside witch trap pot. It is why you have not been making progress. Last year, you imported a container. What happened? It's still in Kotunu now because there's rice inside. <laughs> you say it's true, it's true. The other day, you went and bought land. It turned out that gully erosion has destroyed all the things inside, so your crop did not grow. Is that not so? You say, yes, prophet, yes, papa. Prophesy, papa. You say, good. <laughs> Says the witchcraft spirit of your mother. What am I going to do now? No, you won't give her money again. You will not dedicate that money to the Lord. You will make the word of God of no effect by my prophecy. The word, I'm quoting Jesus now. The word that says, honor your father and your mother. You will say, this has been given to God. You will now bring it. I will now bless you. It is well with you, my son. It can never be well with you, my brother. It can't be. The woman will wait for her monthly alawe, it will not come. Second month alawe from you, it doesn't show up. Then one day somebody will now say, uh uh-uh, uh, what is happening here? Instead of her to say, God protect my son, say, Lord, though, be the judge between me and him. Satan will not laugh. <laughs> now we can kill this one. Then she will now die first because God does not want her to suffer. Just give her one small sickness. They'll say it's diabetes. You don't have small diabetic stroke. Just die. Is God taking her away in peace? Then now your own trouble will now start. And you go to church and testify. The witch has died. God said, no, wahala. You don't know. The intercessor died. Now you are left naked. Like a lone tree in the desert. Omo, your wahala don't start. You will see the kind of trouble that next time they want to bomb people. Say, God, they know they bomb me. I know they go to this earth again. Why? You allowed your intercessor to die. Because you believe the lying prophet. How much is that 10,000 a month you were sending? It wasn't too much, but it bought you prayer. And then she collects it. She says, ah, venison. You know what you call venison? She will eat it and say, Father, I want to thank you for my son, Emeka. I want to thank you for Chinedu. As they anybody's name they mention in Thanksgiving is a blessed person. No, read your Bible. If they mention your name in Thanksgiving, you are blessed. 
I don't understand that teaching now. Some people, nobody, they say thank you to God with their name. Every time God hears your name, now grumbling. God, I don't want to talk, but this boy don't move my... <laughs> As God is hearing, all the people are praying. As they are praying, God is hearing crying in the background. He won't pay us our money, Lord. We worked for him three weeks, three months ago. Till today, we have not collected our money. See, the children now, they can't go to school. When, when, then the devil will amplify the noise of crying. Anytime they hear some people's name in heaven, eh? It's complaint. Complaint. Complaint from Enugu for money. <laughs> Even boys in America are complaining. Listen, one of the things you must do in life, make sure that when heaven is hearing your name, it's tied to thanksgiving. You will just say, Father, I want to thank you for this food. We know you are the supplier, but thank God for your, for your son that you used. Thank God for Philip's life. Hmm. As he's chopping with you, we are chopping. He worship you. They've not, they've not prayed for you. Your name just dropped in thanksgiving. They'll say, God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma. I just add, you know, your name is just the joint people's thanksgiving. Bros, that's a blessing. What did I say? Yeah, that's a blessing. Don't deny yourself. Don't let any false prophet collect it from you. You know, I keep on preaching this. God, people keep on believing these jokers. It's their own business they are doing. If you are not afraid, they won't make money. The only way they make money is if you in your heart. So they have to keep it there. Your mother has to be a witch. Because your mother is not a witch. Your money will go to her. All those your aunties have... Listen, Christmas is coming. When is Christmas? Next month. I command all of you, as a servant of the Almighty God, start saving money now that you will share to all the witches in your village. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? Now, witches in quote now. Witches in quote. If you don't know them, I'm not saying you go and be... We're not doing zakat. Are you getting my point? Don't be zakat that they talk. I'm talking about the people that they have lied to you that they are witches. That your uncle that killed your father, according to them. This Christmas, send him foul. That woman must get a what, print, rapper. She must get it. All those witches. Your igwe should get something too. Share the money. You don't need that car. I, I bought, this Christmas, I'm going home with a car. God said, no, 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 no. You don't need the car. Use OP. <laughs> to go to the village. <laughs> But let people be blessed. You'll be amazed at how much people will dance because you came. One of our brothers, when he goes to his village, he makes old women dance. You just see one old woman, just give her 2,000 naira, crisp notes. The woman will look, look at him. Look at the money and start dancing. This is not enough to pay for one bowl of ice cream for one girl in the mall, you know now. Okay, don't buy ice cream for other girls again. You used to buy ice cream for girls. Yeah, you, you look like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not enough. But this brother said, if he gives one like this, eh? this is how they will hold him. They'll be dancing. He goes home with plenty of it. If you are remotely connected to him, he visits you and dash. Just small, small. To him, this is small money. 2,000 here. The person gives 5,000. Ha. Hey. You old men will dance. That's, that is how to kill witchcraft in your village. All this one of not going there. 
your own Jesus is still in the grave. He didn't rise up from, he didn't rise up from the dead. That's why you are afraid to go. If your Jesus rose up from the dead, rise to your feet right now and give him thanks. That's why I have it. <laughs> if your Jesus rose up from the dead, give him thanks. If your Jesus rose up from the dead, give him thanks. Thank you for freedom. Just thank you for freedom. Thank you for freedom. Yes, thank you for freedom. Fear will not hold you from your blessing. Fear will not prevent you from having your name mentioned in thanksgiving. Paul said it. Because of your gifts, many thanksgivings rising up to God in heaven. Fear will not deny you of that. Your name being mentioned as people are giving him thanks. Fear will not let that happen. Fear will not let that that happen. Why? Because your Jesus rose up from the dead. Just give him thanks for that. Today we talk about holiness. Talking about our prayer being used to serve the purpose of God, not our own purpose. That is what holiness is. Say, Lord, I thank you for understanding you have given me today. Lord, I thank you for the understanding with which you have liberated me again today. Say, Lord, I thank you.